So Jesus said, in a little while, and you'll see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. So there's, there's two little whiles, right? In a little while, that's the first one, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, that's the second one, you will see me. So what's he talking about? Well, basically everyone agrees that the first little while is a reference to the time period that started from the moment Jesus said those words until his death on the cross. That's when he would die and they would see him no more. The question is, what time period does the second little while refer to? Some people think that the second little while started at the moment of Jesus' death and ended at the moment of his resurrection because, of course, after his resurrection is when the disciples started to see him again. And that may be true. But there are many others, and I include myself in this camp, who believe uh, that the second little while is actually still happening. That the second little while refers to the time between Jesus' death on the cross and his second coming, when we will all see him in all of his glory. And I'm inclined toward that view because of what Jesus says in verse 22. He says that after the second little while is over, quote, I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I think that has to be about his second coming and that joy because we all know that right now, even though Jesus is alive and well and risen from the dead, there are many things happening in our lives that do, in fact, take away our joy. There's probably people in this room right now who are enduring very difficult financial struggles. Maybe some of you even wondering, are you going to be able to afford to come back to school next year? Where's their joy? There are probably people in this room right now whose friendships or marriages or families are struggling or on the verge of falling apart. Where's their joy? Yesterday, my congregational president called me. He and his wife were looking forward to the wedding of their granddaughter in about 10 days. Night before last, he got a phone call that his granddaughter's fiancé was killed in a tragic accident. And so now, instead of going to his wedding, they're going to his funeral. And again, I ask, where's their joy? See, I think it's actually pretty important to realize that the second little while isn't over yet because it helps us to set our expectations rightly. We need to understand what Jesus is promising us here and what he's not promising us. Jesus has not promised us that life will always go well for us. He has simply promised that life will end well for us. Now that's not to say that God can't surprise us and pour out his blessing on us along the way sometimes. Of course, 
that does happen, and, and when it does, we should acknowledge that he's the source of it. We should thank God for it. We should rejoice in his blessing. But I'm not talking about what God can do, or what, even what he does do. I'm talking about what we should expect God to do. Now that we're Christians and, and have entrusted our lives to Jesus, should we expect an unending gravy train of blessings from him? Jesus' answer is no. What should we expect? Well, he says it very clearly in verse 20. We just don't like to hear it. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. I think about that. I wonder if I could set that as our, our new vision statement at St. Paul's, right? Come to our church. Join us as we weep and mourn while the world rejoices. I mean, that would make for a very small church, I think. And yet, according to Jesus, that's exactly what we should expect. But it's not what many of us do expect. Many of us tend to have a vending machine view of God. You know, you, you put your money in the machine, and out come the goodies, right? And that's the way many of us think our relationship with God should work. Right? We put our part in, we worship, we pray, we, we give, we serve, we evangelize, we do all the Christian things we're supposed to do, and God, in return, pours out his blessings on us, because that's his job. I mean, maybe unending gravy train is saying too much. I mean, we don't, I suppose, really expect that. We all know that life has challenges, right? That's fair. That's reasonable. But God, you better deliver on the big stuff. Like, like nothing bad, really bad, better ever happen to my kids. And my wife and I better stay relatively healthy and live to a decently old age. And no one that I love better get a dreadful disease or die in a tragic accident. I mean, you, you get the idea, God, I mean, this is the deal, right? I do my part, and I trust you to do your part. That's why I'm glad to have you as my God, because otherwise, who knows what might happen to me. To all of that, Jesus says, Sorry. That's not the deal. The deal is, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. The deal is, now is your time of grief. The deal is, now your life will be kind of like a woman giving birth. I've seen that twice, in fact. It's not pretty. It's a great ending, right, to be sure. It's a spectacular end that makes all that struggle worth it. But right now, right now, you can expect that much of the time, your life is going to be painful and discouraging and difficult. And it's right about this time you start to think, I'm not so sure I like this deal. But believe it or not, Understanding the truth of what Jesus is and is not offering us is absolutely critical to remaining a Christian. 
Because if you hold to the vending machine view of God, that will work great for you. So long as the blessings keep coming. But once the gravy train stops, once tragedy strikes, once your, your life becomes filled with grief and pain and challenges and difficulties, your faith will have absolutely nothing to stand on. And I'm telling you right now, because I've seen it happen, you won't be a Christian for long. But if you understand the truth that Jesus has promised you that your life will end well, even if it doesn't always go well, then your faith will be able to prevail through anything that happens to you. Because only then will you be able to see that a lack of blessings from God does not mean that God is absent or impotent or uncaring. It simply means he is doing something you cannot understand or comprehend. And so you trust him anyway, despite your circumstances. Because Christians don't look to their circumstances to try and understand if God exists or if he loves us at all. When we want to know if God is there or if God really cares, we don't look to our own lives at all. We look to the life of Christ who bore our griefs and who suffered for us when he did not have to do it. And that is all the proof we need. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. I invite you to turn.